Today, we're going to talk about the next generation, because I want to echo, uh, at Radiate Church, the next generation is highly important. You can go ahead and turn in or on your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter uh, 2 as well. Um, but highly important, we put the next generation at the front. When we started this church 12 and a half years ago, part of what we talked about was next gen is going to always be our top priority. We will put money there. We will put uh, resources there. We will put teams. We will put time. We will put energy into the next generation. We decided long before all this stuff, long before we ever got a building, long before any of this, that next generation and serving our community was going to be a top priority for this church. And so I want to speak for a little while today to the next generation, but not just the next generation, because I believe that we as adults, parents, whether we're serving on the teams, whether we're parenting, grandparents, right, whether we're aunts and uncles, whatever we are, wherever we are in life, I believe that today's message is something that we all need to grab a hold of because it's going to change everything. I believe it will change everything about your life. I believe strongly that it will change everything about the next gen. I believe it'll make a difference in the next generation, whether you're their middle school, uh, high school, college, preschool, elementary, none of that matters. I just believe if we're going to be intentional about the next generation, we need to be. And there's a few things I want you to know today if you are next generation in this room. I want you to know from your pastor, from your church, there's a few things I need to tell you straight up front. And the first one is this, you are at the front of our minds. You're at the front of our minds. We think about you, we pray for you, we care about you. I want you to know from me and from your church, we value you. Y'all are dead quiet in here today. We value you. We value your, your outtake, your outlook on life. We value your opinions. We value who you are. And here's the truth. Here's the thing about value. is I'm not just saying we value just because... Because the truth is, when you value something, you should put something and effort into it. You, you protect it. You make it better. You make it the best that it can be. When you value something, you chase after it. You value that thing so much that it becomes a part of your life. Next generation, I want you to know we value you at this church. I'm not saying, yeah, come on, somebody help me. I'm not saying no other church does. Because I can't speak for any other church other than the one that I pastor. But I want you to know that at Radiate Church, we value you. We love you. I believe that you're a world changer. I truly believe you're a world changer. I think the way you change the world is one person at a time, the person directly in front of you at that moment. I believe that's how you change the world. The teenagers, uh, preschoolers, middle schoolers, high schoolers, whoever you are, I want you to know you're a world changer. And I'm not talking about like, I'm just telling you that because it's a great catchphrase and it's hype and like it creates energy. No, 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 no. I really, truly believe that what's in you is greater than anything that happens around you. I really and truly believe that all of us, adults, next generation, no matter where we are, I truly believe that we are here for such a time as this. I don't think you're alive in 2023 on accident. I don't think it's just by happenstance. I believe God knew what he was doing because if God is who he says he is in his word, then he knew what he was doing when he put you on the planet to be alive today in July 2023. I think there's a purpose for that. And I believe next gen, I believe you're a world changer. I believe you're worth something. I think you're valuable. I think you're amazing. And that is why I want to talk to you I want to talk to your, your parents and grandparents. I want to talk to all of us today about this topic that honestly is kind of heavy, 
but I think highly important. And it's this topic about distractions. It's distractions. Here's the thing about distractions, right? A distraction is something that is trying to get you to focus on what you should not be focusing on. I want to talk to you about the power of distractions. Now, hear me, adults. This ain't just for next generation. This is for you, too. This is for me, too. Because here's the thing about a distraction. Distractions just get you to focus on things. And here's what happens. Distractions, how many of you know distractions can kill you? If you get distracted at the wrong time, you, it can kill you. Driving down the road and you get distracted, it can, it can be very fatal. right? And even if it doesn't kill you and it, it's not fatal, a distraction can be very harmful. And then, uh, a lot of times, a distraction, can, you can be harmed and not know you're being harmed because you're distracted. Let me, let me give you an example. I got, I got a five-year-old, uh, Cullen. I, I love that kid. He is me on steroids, like, at that age. It, I'm getting back everything that I gave to my parents. I'm going to look right into this camera in case they're watching today. I just, Mom and Dad, I'm sorry. That's all I want to say, Okay. <laughs> I got a five-year-old, and and yesterday, um, he stubbed his toe on the couch. And we've all done that, right? And it hurts, man. That thing just does not feel good. Now, I'm going to be very honest. He did not really stub his toe that bad. Like, it it barely touched the couch, okay? But to him, he he started hopping. Ah! Ah! You know how five-year-olds are, right? Some of you are like, yeah, my 35-year-old does that. And anyway, ah! You know, and he comes, and he's crying. He's, Dad! Dad! I broke my toe! And I'm like, where do you get your drama from? Like, your exaggeration. Uh, uh, he gets it honest. And he's hopping around, and his toe hurts, and he's freaking out, and he's crying. And I was sitting in my recliner, and I was watching baseball. And, um, and I was like, oh, I said, oh, Cullen, I'm sorry. You know, I picked him up. We were talking. I was trying to help him. He would not quit talking about the toe. So I was like, oh, hey, he's about to hit a home run. Watch this. Watch this. And he, he throws a pitch. He swings and misses. And he, and he throws another, like, it's, it's four or five pitches in a row. You know what happened over time? He forgot about the toe. Why? Because as a parent, I've learned the art of bribery and distraction. <laughs> right? Because I knew that if I could get him to focus on something else, then what was hurting him would not hurt him as bad anymore. That's healthy distraction. But I want you to know that the older we get and the more we live, there's unhealthy distractions that are not trying to get you to ignore things that aren't really hurting you, aren't that big a deal. They're trying to get you to pay attention to ignore things that are very big deals. They're trying to get you to ignore addictions in your life. They're trying to get you to ignore websites you shouldn't be looking at. I just did it that one time. Oh, it's just been four or five times. Oh, it's just because she didn't. It's just because he didn't. You get what I'm saying? Distractions can be incredibly harmful if we're not careful. And what the enemy, and there is an absolute real enemy for your soul, what the enemy wants to do is he wants to distract you in such a way that you forget the promises of God in your life. And it, Because if he can get you to ignore the promises of God in your life, he can create an, a carbon copy And you'll start following that. And now we get so far off base. And now we're so far outside of the word of God and the will of God that we no longer have any peace with God. Come on. And so I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about these reminders, these thoughts, right, 
of, of, of from God so that we're not distracted from them. Now, here's what I, I do want to say. The next generation is dealing with distractions that you and I, adults, have never had to deal with before. At least not to this extent. And if you're honest about it, you would probably go, yeah, and I never thought that we would. On some of the, I mean, think about it. They have a 24-7 news cycle at all times. When I was growing up, right, when I was in middle school, high school, college, you had to turn on, the, you had to wait till 6 p.m. news, come on, and you had to wait on, or the 7 p.m. news, right, and every now and then you'd get a little snippet of it on the radio if you were listening to WCOS or, come on, WNOK, come on, y'all should have been listening to WMHK, but anyway, I'm just kidding, whatever station, you get a little snippet. But you had to wait till 6 p.m. news. And then you got more local news than national. Now, all they have to do is pull up their smartphone. And they're inundated with it. And it's not just national news and local news. It's personal news. It's news that you shouldn't be posting online anyway that kids have to read. Your anger with the cashier that you just ran into is creating confusion in a 12-year-old somewhere. It's the reality of life. We never had to deal with that. We never had a 24-7 news cycle. We never had the hatred and the anger that is in the world today. To where if you don't agree with me, then I can't do life with you. And you hate me. No, I don't hate you. I just don't agree with you. No, you hate me. You hate me and I'm angry with you. And now it's getting to a place where you can just fight anybody anytime you want to and get violent. and It doesn't even matter. We've never had to deal with stuff like this. We've never had to deal with the lack of boundaries in life. They're, 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 they're faced with hatred and anger. They're faced with what you sh- being told what you should and should not believe at all times. Who you are and who you are not. They're faced with the distractions of video games and social media. And I'm not saying either one of those is bad. What I'm saying is, is they can be unhealthy distractions. Because they force us to live in an alternate reality that isn't real. And now when you have to face someone face to face, you don't even know how to have a conversation. I can't talk. I can't. What are we going to do one day? But I don't think all hope is lost. I don't think this next generation is actually as bad as we think it is. I just think they're dealing with things we don't understand. And they're dealing with distractions we don't know how to deal with ourselves. So I want to give four quick reminders today, and they are going to be quick. So take some notes, write it down, note takers or history makers. We're going to move this thing forward. Four quick reminders for all of us today that about God to keep us away from the distractions. The first one is this, put God first. Put God first. First Peter chapter 2, verses 1-3 through three says this, Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit, And hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted, if you have tasted, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Why did I emphasize that? Because I just have this crazy thought that if I've really experienced the goodness of God, the forgiveness of God, of God, the bloodshed of the Messiah, Jesus. If I've really experienced a God that was powerful enough to bring me out of darkness and captivity and pain and frustration and bondage, and I really serve a God that's that big, it should change everything else about my life. 
I should pray different, worship different, sing different, live different, love different. It should look like something is the phrase that I love to use now. Why? Because I've tasted of God's goodness. Because I've tasted of God's kindness. Because I've tasted of who he is. And when I've tasted of him, nothing else can be my top priority. Nothing else. Because what's your top priority, watch this, becomes the filter for everything else. So if my top priority, let's say you're going to school this school year and your top priority is to be the most popular person in school, you are going to filter every decision based on what everybody else thinks. Because now, i got to win them over. So if I go against what they think and they like, then I'm not going to win them over. But if God is my priority, then I, I, can, I can gain friends and I can be popular and all that, but I won't do it at the expense of my God. I won't do it at the expense of my faith. I won't do it at the expense. And, and some of us have, as adults need to learn this. That your life should not look different Monday through Saturday than it does on Sunday. I should be able to filter the way I treat coworkers and bosses and honor my boss and honor my coworkers and honor all the people in my life. I should be able to filter that through God. Not another priority. Because when I've tasted of his kindness and I've tasted of his goodness and I've lived it out and I've seen it and I know what he's brought me from and I love it and I'm a part of it, that becomes my filter. That becomes my priority. And if you want to know what your priorities are, Pay attention to your attitudes. How offended do you get by things? What frustrates you more? That somebody said something about you because your reputation may get hurt or that they're turning away from God? It's a priority shift. We got to look. I, I believe attitude is an indicator of priorities. I don't want to go too deep into that today. That's a whole other message. But it's the same concept of when I've tasted it of his goodness, that's what I want. And when I really want something, I'll do whatever I have to do to get it. It's like yesterday, we had some friends over to the house, and I, I enjoy grilling and using my pit boss smoker grill thing, and mainly because I don't have to do much with it, just turn it on and let it go. But I love, if you haven't tried smoking burgers on that thing yet, it, it takes about an hour, hour and a half to do it, but man, they are the best burgers you'll ever have. They're, they're amazing. So I, I was like, hey, we're going to do burgers. And so I went to the store yesterday. I got uh, three pounds of beef because we go big or go home. That's a value at Radiate, praise God. You know. And I uh, went and got three pounds of beef and hamburger buns, and I got everything I needed to make some, some homemade burger sauce, y'all. Come on, somebody. Yeah, y'all don't know nothing about that. That's why you're not shouting. Y'all like, I don't know. Just trust me on this one, all right? I went and got everything I needed from the grocery store, came home, got everything ready, seasoned them up, put them on the grill, all that. But you know what I didn't buy? Steak. You know what I didn't buy? Pepperonis and dough and cheese. You know why? Because I wasn't making that stuff. I didn't want that stuff. You know what I wanted? Hamburgers. But if I don't have God first and he's not my filter then I will end up paying for something that I never wanted in the first place. And I got to know what I'm going in for. And I got to know if God's first, then that's what I give for. That's what I go for. That's what I live for. I don't give of myself to other people just because I don't know what I'm for. When God is first, it is the filter of everything else in my life. Put God first. Number two, let God build your life. Don't let anybody else build your life. Don't build your life based on anybody else, on their opinion, on their thought, on their ability. Base your life. Let God build your 
life. Verses four through five says this. And coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. That is talking about Jesus. Can I tell you something? Hear me. It says Jesus is choice and precious. He's beautiful. He's forgiving. He's loving. But he was rejected. Some of you need to let go of the rejection that you're holding on to because I need to tell you something. If Jesus was rejected, you're going to get rejected. And the more I hold on to the rejection of other people in my life, the more I think that I shouldn't go through what Jesus did. If he was rejected, I'll be rejected. If you're rejected, I'll be rejected. We're going to get rejected. You just got to be okay going, you know what? I'm going to do my thing. And that is why we put God first. That is why God builds our lives. Verse 5. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Here's what I want to tell you. God is not building your life for the fun of it. There's a purpose to it. You have certain gifts and qualities and abilities that are very specific to you, but God is building your life to be a reflection of him. If you go back and and you go watch season one of Binge the Bible and you start hearing us talk about the temple and the tabernacle, and here's the purpose of it. It was for a holy God to what? Dwell with unholy people. And now you are that temple. I am that temple. I am where God goes, I want to dwell in you. I want to dwell with you individually and uniquely and on purpose. Let me build your life. Life. Here's how you let God build your life. You know the word. You know the Bible. It's hard to let God build your life when you don't even know what God is about. This book is full of what God's about. This book is full of God's character. It's full of God's love. It's full of God's grace. It's full of God's word to us. If we don't know his word, we don't fully know him. Because that, this is where it's at. I let God build my life by building my life on who he is. And watch this, if God's first and the Bible says no, then that is now my filter. My boundary has been made for me. I don't have to listen to anybody else. Why? God's first and I know the word, he's building my life. Number two, engage in your tribe. Now, next generation middle schoolers and high schoolers, we literally call the ministry tribe on purpose. That is your tribe, that is your people, your age, your team members are there on purpose for you to walk with you through life because they love you and they believe in you. Engage in your tribe. Adults, your tribe is your church, your tribe is your team that you serve on, your tribe is your life group, right? Engage in your tribe. Do you know how frustrating it is? What if, I, what if people invited you, uh, or you invited people into your house, and they came in, they sat on the couch, and this is all they did? They're like, hey, can you bring me a glass of tea? How about a sandwich? You got a sandwich? I don't like that sandwich. You didn't bring me that sandwich well. You didn't prepare that one very good. Go make it again. Make me another one. Got their feet up on your little coffee table, you know? A muddy, nasty little dog poop on the bottom of their shoes. Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. They just sitting there. And they're just demanding the whole time. How many of you would be like, I'm inviting them back over. That was pleasant. How many of you would invite them back over if it was? Man, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey, do you need any help like getting dinner together? You know, I'll pull the plates out while you get the, you know, what do we need to do? Oh, I'll clean up. They clean up after them. Come on, you love them people to come over and they clean up after themselves. That's the people where you like, you coming back tomorrow. And I'm going to set out other stuff so that you clean that up too, you know. 
And like you love it, and, and they're enjoying the conversation is good, and it's just it's just flu- like those are the people you go. I'm inviting you back. Why they engaged? How you get out of it what you put into it? Teenagers engage in your tribe. Adults stop expecting everybody else to do everything for you. Engage in church. Engage in worship. Engage in serving. Engage in relationships. Engage in life group. Stop sitting back going, "Bring me, bring me, bring me." I know it's hard. I know. Y'all like, how dare you? I ain't preached in four weeks, so give me a break. Like, you know what I'm engaging in that stuff. Why? It changes something. Jesus said it himself, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. In other words, I didn't come for you to engage in my presence. I came to engage in yours. The Son of God said that. How much more should we engage? Worship God more than things. Worship God more than Things. things are fine, but don't worship them. They can't be first. And then last thought, ask God if this, whatever this is, ask God if this is of God. I mentioned it earlier, but if the Bible says no, and the Holy Spirit's checking something in your life, listen. What does the Holy Spirit sound like? All right, you know that thing that you're about to do, and you got a gut punch right here, and your, your guts are twisting and turning, and it just don't feel right, and you're like, I don't know what to do. What is that? That was the taco last night. That's probably the Holy Spirit. That's probably the Holy Spirit going, stop. And if you can look in Scripture, and the Scripture says no, no. Don't look to Facebook to tell you Yes. Look to the word to tell you what to do. Well, it's a gray area. Pastor, I don't know what I should do. Pray about it. Yeah. Ask the Holy Spirit, right? Ask yourself if this is of God. Number two, let God build your life. Number three, you, this is a truth you need to know. You are intentional. You are intentional. Verses 9 through 10, 1 Peter chapter 2. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. That right there, that one statement right there is the reason you were created. Because God wants to love you. It's honestly that simple. God just wants to love his people. God wants to love you. He wants your own, his own possession, which is you. He just wants to embrace you and love you, which is why he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll always embrace you. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You are intentional. I want you to hear me, everybody. Everything about your life is on purpose. Everything. God may not have caused it, but God can use it. Everything about your life is on purpose. Your family is on purpose. Your location is on purpose. Your time is on purpose. Your age is on purpose. Your gender is on purpose. Everything about you is on purpose. Why? Because I can't sit back and go, God knows every hair on my head, but he didn't create me that intentional. He made a mistake here, and it's, no, he didn't. 
It's intentional. It's on purpose. I know it may be hard. I know it may be difficult. I know there may be distractions to all that. But that's why you got to go, I don't care about the distractions because I know what I know. And what I know is I'm on purpose and I'm intentional. And Ephesians even teaches me that before the foundations of the world were created, I was created and you were created with a purpose, on purpose, for a purpose. Why? Because we are intentional. We are intentional. You are intentional. I am intentional. Everything about us is intentional. Everything is the way it's supposed to be. And I know people are going to shout and they're going to scream and they're going to be loud. And they're going to say, yeah, but there's this and there's that. And life is different today than it was back then. I don't care. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Times have changed. My God has not. I'm intentional. I'm just as intentional as I was when I was a thought. And I'm just as intentional today at 40 years old as I was at 20. And I was at 2. Everything about your life is intentional. I want you to know. Because when you realize this, when you grasp this, when you embrace this, hear me. Everything about how you walk changes. You walk with a different boldness. You're like, I know my life ain't perfect. But it's intentional. I know that circumstance isn't what I wanted, but God can use it. Everything about us is intentional. I'll tell you something that I wish I would have grabbed a hold of. My youth pastor used to tell me this all the time. And when I was a teenager, I didn't listen because I knew everything. It was this. Don't be a second-rate version of something else. Be a first-rate version of yourself. I don't care what anybody else says. You are created the way you were created on purpose. Be okay with that. Be okay with that. Be okay with who God created you to be. And the last one is, as we're doing all these things, as we're putting God first, we're letting God build our life, as we're realizing that we're intentionally created and on purpose according to God and according to his word, it's this. Live God loud. Live God loud. Stop being loud about things that don't matter. Live God loud. Verses 11 through 12. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul. In other words, distractions. Verse 12. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, so the lies they make up about you, in that thing that they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. In other words, live God so loud that just by watching your life, their life is going to be changed. By the way, they see you change. By the way, they see you go through difficulty. By the way that they see you trust God. By the way that they see your faith, let it be said from somebody at some point in my life that in a difficult time, they would go, you know what? I met this guy named Brandon one time, and he's, he, was, he was wild and crazy and loud, but he was steady, and he was consistent, and he talked about God, and he loved God, and when I met him, he was going through a hard time. But he never lost his faith. And he always believed there was something better. And he always believed in Jesus. 
and that the Holy Spirit was going to use it. Let it be said that he would go, that person would go. I don't know what it is he had, but I need a little bit of it. I need a little bit of it. Let that be said of all of us that are believers and have submitted our lives to Jesus, that the way we live is such an example that somebody would go, I need that. And I truly believe that we need more people that will stand up and live God loud today. Make a difference. Live loud. Live different. Be different. Be a group of different ma- difference makers, world changers, through the way we live our lives. In difficulty and in celebration, none of it matters. We live our life for God loud, no matter what. Here's what I love to do. I'd love to just pray over you as we end today. Ariana's going to come up at the end of the prayer and give us a, uh, uh, just a quick next step, and we're going to go change the world. But today, maybe you're in the room and you're like, you know what? Like, I, I just, I want to give my life to Jesus today. Like, these reminders have reminded me that, man, I just, I need, I need a new life in Him and my faith. You know, I can't do it without Him, and I've tried. What I'd love to do is for everybody to just bow their heads real quick. And if you're ready to give your life to Jesus today, just right where you are, <clears throat> sitting right where you're at. Maybe to yourself, maybe you need to say it out loud. But just say this prayer with me in believing that Jesus loves you so much that he replaced your sin with his love. Pray this with me if you're ready. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I've tried to do this without you, and I can't. And I no longer want to. Because I know that you gave your life so that I could have life. I pray that you would forgive my past, forgive my present, and redeem my future. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross so that I could have eternal life with a Father that loves me forever. I give you my life from this day. Walk with me as I walk with you. If you pray that prayer right where you're at, eyes closed, heads bowed, right where you are, if you gave your life to Jesus today, I just want to ask you to say, hey, Pastor, I, I prayed that prayer. I gave my life to Jesus today. Like, I'm starting a new life. If you would, just raise your hand right where you're at. I'm not calling you up. I'm not calling you out. All we want to do is walk it out with you. And somebody's just going to slip a clipboard in your hand, and that's it. Just hold it up high. Go, yeah, I prayed that prayer. And then as you fill that card out, just take it by the party tent, the connect tent on the way out. Man, we want to just pray with you and give you some resources. Just connect, honestly. Do life together. God, I thank you for every person in the room. And I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for changing our lives, redeeming our lives, and giving us a way to walk out of the wages of sin and into eternal freedom with you. Help us live out the four promises that we talked about today as we go on with our life. In your name we pray.